Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging, the podcast where you and your church will find answers to the difficult questions that arise as we grow older. On behalf of Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brams. Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging. This week, we continue our interview with retired chaplain Gary Gilmore on how to support veterans in the latter stages of their life. If you missed last week's episode, we invite you to listen to part one of this discussion entitled Helping Others Who Experience Moral Injury and Trauma. And don't forget to click subscribe to hear more great conversations on applying biblical principles to aging issues. Okay, so um, we've just spoken, and I I appreciate how well you articulated that, Gary. We just spoke about how the individual who has served can try to process that for themselves and and to incorporate that into their lives. Um, Even Vietnam vets at this point are uh, are beyond, some of them are beyond a retirement age, if you will, and and will be looking at care facilities and things like the Baptist home. So the Baptist home certainly already has uh, people of that age, if not specific, but how can families then encourage that help towards that end, help that person to not only process, but you you mentioned the the congruity aspect. Um, Mm -hmm. How do we honor that person? How do we help that person to find integrity if they're not able to find it for themselves in in the later part of their lives? Yeah, Um, well, that's that's huge. And thanks for bringing in the families because uh, I know a lot of family members, um, wives, spouses, um, dealing with a soldier with PTSD, just as an example. Um, impacts all of your life or, or coming home wounded. Uh, you thought you were going to go mountain climbing all your life and, and you're happy to get in the van. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's difficult. Um, but I think it's okay to say, I may never understand fully what it was like for you, but that doesn't diminish my support. That is not a precondition of me loving you you know, we said for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health. Hmm. And not everybody was able to live up to that. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, what can you do with what you've got? What, what about the life you have? Where is God in that? And I, and I think it's that, that somehow communicating the message, I, I honor the story you have whether it's the story I wanted or whether it's the story I think it ought to be is not the question. I honor your story and, and I want to support you in a meaningful way that will help. Um, you know, the, the experts talk about grief, um, end of life kinds of issues. I'm in the habit of sharing uh, what a hospice doctor came up with. He said, there's five messages. The first one is forgive me. I'm not perfect. I failed you. Please forgive me. The second message is I forgive you Hmm. in our relationship. You're not perfect either. And, and I'm not holding that against you. I I forgive you. The third message is thank you. It, it wasn't about the theory. It was about what we had. Thank you. You, you shared life with me. We've walked together. Thank you. The, the second one is uh, I love you next to the last year. Number four is I love you and number five goodbye. And so those, those messages are part of any person 
bringing a healthy closure to the story of their life on planet Earth. Forgive me. I forgive you. Thank you. I love you. And goodbye. And, you know, we're all at different places on those. I keep saying forgive me quite a bit right now. You know, <laughs> that's kind of a, a theme in my world. Uh, but I'm also having to, to say to, and this sounds weird, but sometimes we need to forgive God. You know, we, we say, what I wasn't in charge of, you must have been. Hmm. And look what happened. I tell you what, it's a turning point when we can, can look toward heaven. And instead of shaking our fist at the Lord, we open our palms up and we just receive his love. And we say, it was the story of my life. And, uh, you know, you didn't make the whole world and make a mistake when it came to me. So I don't get it all. I don't understand it all. Forgive me. I've reacted to it, but I forgive you too. Thank you for the life I've got. Thank you for the life I've lived. I love you. I mean, you, you talk about healing our hearts from the inside out, whatever life has brought us. Those are five good messages to today. And the good news is when we say goodbye here, we say hello to the Lord. So there's our hope. There you go. There's our hope. Okay. Amen right. to that. Amen to that. So, <laughs> so that was a little bit about the grief and, and, and both sides going through that, through that process of forgiving me, forgiving you. I mean, that's, that's a two-way conversation. Yeah. There. Um, Roger. Let's, let's move beyond grief to a different level of trauma. Um, okay. You know, again, uh, moral injury can play into that. Certainly physical injury can play into that. Uh, just imagery going on in our minds, uh, complaint yeah. that. So, so speak to those that are dealing with traumatic issues, whether it's 20, 40 or 80 years after the, their time of service. How, what, what might you say to encourage those uh, individuals, Gary? Yeah, well, true story. It's not my proudest moment. We didn't know this at the time, but we asked one of our World War II vets to uh, speak at a, a nursing home here in our town. And uh, one of my young guys went out and he got some video of like the USS Iowa bobbing shells, uh, softening up the beach uh, before an invasion. And this, this veteran we asked to speak was a, a Marine who, who stormed that very beach. Mm. We didn't know it, but he had never watched a war movie. He, he had been the concussion from a shell knocked him out for three days. And uh, I did not know it, but with, without trying to, we, we re-traumatized him a little bit. And uh, he got up and he said, you know, this is a, a lot harder than I expected, uh, simply because it is still so real and uh, it's, it's not on film for me. It is, it is in the, the camera of my heart mm -hmm. where, where this is. So this idea of working through that together and being able to uh, go forward with it, I had to be careful. It really slowed me down to say, tell me a little more about your experience so that I don't unintentionally stomp on uh, something, something significant there. Um, help me again with with where we were going to go with that question. Just, just talking beyond the grief to the trauma and, and, and to the how, trauma. Yeah. And how people can, uh, even if it's not war related, but, but how people can move beyond the traumatic experiences of their life. Yeah. So 
let me, let me explain a little about trauma that I know. One is that uh, there's a physical dimension to trauma, the way our body uh, reacts to scary things, fight or flight or freeze is that third F that we're talking about now. So there's a physical dimension of that. And that's where the, the doctors and the therapists are, are so much better skilled at that. But then there's this emotional dimension of it. And it's like that uh, grain of sand that gets into the oyster and they begin to coat over that to protect it. Yes, you can make a pearl out of that, but it starts with a very painful insertion of a grain of sand into a very tender place. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that, uh, that's the issue that you need that support system around you to help. So um, it can be as severe as a diagnosis of uh, uh, post-traumatic stress uh, syndrome. You know, those are clinical things based on a certain amount of criteria. It, it can be that that emotional reaction tell you the fourth of july when i first got home from my deployment i did not like firecrackers at all it it had a whole different meaning those first few uh, celebrations and man i was a veteran i was gonna wave the flag i was proud on the fourth of july except i'm kind of hiding and don't mess with me right now it's not sure. a good time so sure. um there there is certainly a time to reach out and, and go to the medical professional people. But I tell you what, the older we get, the more we need a network of veterans uh, in our community and, and to deliberately create a community that has veterans in it because we trust each other. We'll give you credit. You start out okay, okay? But, but then as we talk about that and do, um, we don't have to explain ourselves. We're just better at going, hey, this is a tough time for you no expectation, but I'm here. What can I do to help? Can I listen? Or we'll just sit or, you know, play dominoes or, or something like that. Do a crossword puzzle. Uh, there's, there's good things. But, but that trauma, again, has multiple layers. And sometimes, you know, it just won't go away. There's, there's a, a splinter in your finger and you got to go dig it out. It's worth doing because then healing, healing can begin. So, uh, again, beyond that, you kind of have to sit down and go, so what was that like for you? Help me just listen to that and, and offer um, my shoulder, just offer my friendship, offer my hand, offer my, my encouragement. And, um, and you know what? If it's a scary thing, go talk to somebody, I'll go with you. I often tell my soldiers, I'm, I'm given this briefing on, on suicide. I said, it may never be for you, but a soldier's not going to come and talk to the chaplain. A soldier's going to go to his battle buddy. The air guy's going to go to his wingman. We're, mm -hmm. we're going to go to the, the trench partner, and we trust them. So I may not be talking about this for your sake. It may be for the guy you're going to meet, the one who will come to you. They'll never come and talk to me. Mm -hmm. So uh, pay attention and realize that we are all in this helping one another make it better. Yeah. Good, good words for that. So, um, Gary, why, why do some veterans do better than others? Uh, you know, I mean, again, uh, mm -hmm. perhaps the encouragement of knowing you are on the right side, World War II, 
uh, is a part of that, as opposed to coming home and, and the protest during Vietnam and stuff. But, but yeah. the idea of resilience, as you right. called it, why do some veterans do better than that? And, and how can we, how can we help, pro, help, uh, help all veterans process this, uh, even late in life? Even late in life, especially late in life. Yeah. Yes. Andy, that is, that is great. Um, the idea of resilience came out of uh, education, came out of our school teachers in like inner cities. And they were asking the question, here's, a, here's two kids that grew up in poverty and they didn't have a lot of advantages. One goes on and, and has this incredible life and, and career and another person just kind of stays stuck. What's the difference? What is the resilient factor? And I don't know if they've ever actually solved it. Again, some of that is physical and inherent. Some of that is imprinted on us when we're very, very young. Some of it has to do with all of our dreams and aspirations. Uh, life has a way of challenging those. And uh, uh, sometimes there's opportunities. I think the thing I would say to, to veteran friends is, even though you may think there's no way back or, or there's no way better than what you're feeling right now, and that could be nightmares, that could be physical symptoms, that could be um, anger, it could manifest itself in harshness and being critical, and you say, no, nope, that's just the way I am. No, it's not. We all have the responsibility to, uh, to grow our character as the Lord draws us closer. Um, but there are ways. There is usually a person that is a role model or a mentor for those students who invests in them. There is a peer support. Um, I think what I'm trying to say and what we learned at Family Warrior Support is no matter what that family was going through, if they would be willing to ask we could be an intermediary to find a resource for them that would make that better. And sometimes it was just another National Guard family who lived 10 miles and they would get together and go out and eat once a month. And just that camaraderie, going through the kids together, the wives, when, when one soldier was deployed, the other family kind of adopted the folks at home. And then that reversed at another time. Well, for our, our older vets, it might be, you know what? Uh, we had a, after drill. Sometimes we'd have a, we call it a veterans coffee, and you brought a styrofoam cup, and we drank a cup of joe, and we just talked about how you doing, and and the door was closed, and it was it was what what was in the group stay in the group, but it was a safe place for people to come and do. So wherever we are, we can get a cup of coffee. We can. Ask, uh, there are community resources out there. The VA has a lot, but um, for example, the Vietnam era vets, uh, they have what they call vet centers. They didn't want to go to the hospital setting. And so now in shopping centers, there's a, a vet center. And even if you're not comfortable with that, uh, there's a network of counselors out there uh, that have military experience and they'd be willing to talk to you. In fact, uh, Uncle Sam will pay for a few sessions to get things going if you know who to ask and how to leverage that. And so I think this idea of resilience is if you just take a, a small step of responsibility to get the ball going, I think you'll find that there's other resources that can add to that first step 
one domino knocks over another domino. And after a while, there's a trail that takes you to a place of, of support and encouragement along the way. Mm-hmm. So um, don't give up. And hey, I, I visited my, my uncle in a nursing home and I surprised him. I, I walked up behind him and said, is there any place a, a poor guy can get a cup of coffee and a kind word? And we ended up sitting down and just having a, a good time. Uh, in the the common area of, of his nursing home, one of our one of our last conversations, actually. So um, you just never know. God can bring a person through that open door, but the the doorknobs on the inside. So push it open. Let's see what God does. Good. Well, Gary, we we are we've expired our time here, and so which which is a good thing. Um, uh, you know, we we may uh, seek to have you back and, and to talk some more about this at some point. But before we leave, I, I'd like to know you, you mentioned the, the program that you have there for the the family warriors and such. You have mm-hmm. your own ministry as a pastor. How how can our audience pray for you in your ministry endeavors at this time? Yeah, uh, thank you so much. Um, I have retired and others have taken my place and they're doing a great job. They haven't asked me to come back. So uh, <laughs> that, that won't happen. But I did, I did form a little uh, not-for-profit. I call it Missouri Chaplain Services. And, and I said, you know, one of the things that I could do as a chaplain that maybe other retirees uh, don't do is um, I can go and offer graveside services. There are a lot of soldiers and veterans, a lot of veterans in particular. I, I say soldiers just because that's my my history. But again, mentioning every veteran out there, um, they may not have had any faith background at all. But if Charlie was in the army, and uh, for goodness sakes, there was an army chaplain, and and now our family is in need of some comfort, I said, you know what, I can put on, uh, I'll put on the uniform as long as it fits, and otherwise I'll just come and I'll bring my my military experience, but but I'm looking for ways to connect with our veterans on the side, and that may be that networking person. Uh, how do I connect you to somebody else? But but I have done some uh, graveside services where we render military honors for those who have served our nation, and uh, it's fledgling. I have one person who supports me. It's not about the money; it's about the opportunity. If to pray for that opportunity to. Uh, to uh, let one of those guys who's been there and done that with them come alongside them and offer support and encouragement and, and if need be, uh, be that liaison uh, on that final day where we, we say thank you for your service. That'd be a high honor. So that'd be a prayer request. And I sure enjoyed this. Bless your heart. You guys listen really good. <laughs> I, I get started and I don't quit. Uh, but, that's okay. Uh, it's a joy. It's a joy to talk about veterans and, you know, they're, they're wonderful people. They've served our country. Uh, we owe them a debt of gratitude. There's one kind of veteran who gave life and uh, honor them every Memorial Day. But there are so many more veterans who did their service and they came home and they paid their taxes and they raised their family and they lived in the freedoms that they fought for. They're just as much a hero as that person who didn't get to come home. And we honor them every Veterans Day. So uh, 4th of July, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, there's a soft spot in my heart for those guys. So thanks. Thanks for what the Baptist is doing, caring for vets as well. 
Well, thank you. I think I think that's a great word to end on, Gary, the word honor, uh, that, that, that we honor those who have served. So thank you for your service. Thank you for uh, being with us today and, and sharing some of your insights and wisdom, as you said, from a practical experience that being one-on-one right. -on -one, uh, with many of those who have experienced the different issues that we've been able to cover today. So again, thank you for your time uh, and, and involvement today. Roger that. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this interview today. Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries has provided Christ-like care to the aging since 1913. To learn more about the biblically informed resources and solutions provided by Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries, go to www.thebaptisthome.org. Again, www.thebaptisthome.org. You will find links to previous podcasts, a growing number of church resources, and detailed information about residential and long-term care communities. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brams, asking you to be a voice for the aging.